Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back. You are listening to the Burden and Blessing podcast. We're getting going here in a new year, starting a new series off. I'm Pastor Mark, joined by uh, Pastor Neil today, and we are taking up a series called the Skeptics Series. Uh, Pretty simple, just looking at basic objections to our faith, common arguments that we hear against Christianity, like some of the other projects we're doing, has sort of an apologetics focus. Uh, So, Neil, good to be back with you and take a look into this series. Our thought for today is the idea, why do people feel the need to believe in a God? So that's where we're going to start in the first episode in this series. Neil, take it from there and give me some initial thoughts on that question. I think the first thing I would like to think about is, or the first thing that would come to my mind is, you know, if you've ever met anyone who's adopted or maybe went through a foster homes, I'm sure you've run into people like that. Um, I think a lot of times there's this desire to know where they came from, to know who their biological parents are, in the very least their mother. And it's been interesting watching people go through that process of trying to track down their biological family. I think in our world today, I think the Lord has placed in each one of us this desire or yearning for knowing our origins. You know, you look at the media today, you look at um, Hollywood, for example, and there's all kinds of movies out there that eventually take a character and go back to their origins. Where do they come from? Where do they begin? It gets really exciting, you know, and it's like, whoa, that's how they got these powers. That's how they got there where they are. And so I think there's this innate sense in each one of us, in my opinion, they kind of want to know where we came from, even if even if they're an unbeliever. You know, there's this idea of trying to figure out where all this come from. How did all this happen? Whether they believe in God or not, there's this yearning to to know this knowledge. And I think I like that idea first of all of that person who doesn't know their parents. They know they have parents, but don't know them by name. So they they try to go seek them out. So that's that's kind of my first thought, and that's what I would if I was talking that you know you brought this idea up. Why do people need to believe in God? I think it's a, I think it's a nice parallel to have people think about. Well, that's an excellent illustration you bring in there. That really fits. People want to know the background. People want to know the story, the narrative. They want to know where it all started. And you see that in our culture in a lot of different ways. You bring in a good example there in the media. And when we think about that question of why do we believe in a God? Why, is, why do we feel that need? Because even if you're not religious, like you said, there's that feeling inside of sort of feeling that need. Why do we have that? And, and what should we do with that in our lives is kind of what that question is getting at. And it's, pretty, it's a pretty common question today, too. This is a pretty, I would say, in some ways, a more recent skeptical argument against the Christian faith of this, why this need? That it, not so much a historical thing that we've seen, but more in recent uh, ages and, and recent times that this comes up. Well, I think it's interesting too. 
in talking about the need, if an individual is considering what happens after someone dies, then God does come into the picture because we die. And to date, man can't raise himself. So we need some kind of God to bring us back from death. So ultimately, I think there's this hunger, not just from our origins, but for our destination too. And that's why I think it's, it's neat to understand that even if someone doesn't believe in God, there's a desire to know well, what comes next. If people want to deny all that, well, they say nothing. Okay, well, there's nothing. Then you just live for right now and live in the moment. But, you know, I also, when you were talking there, Mark, I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on this too. And come back to this thought if you want to, uh, that we were just mentioning. But you think about presidents or leaders that have been elected. In that election process, isn't there a desire to know more of the, the history of that individual, their own origins, what they stand for? And I believe that fits really well with that need to believe in a God. You, you need to know what God is all about. What kind of God is he? If, if I'm going to believe in God, I need to know something about him. And we're maybe talking a little bit in the, the atheist or agnostic camps about you know, believing in no God or believing that there's God, not knowing who he is. And that's why I like starting out with that question about, you know, what do you think? Where do you think you come from? What, who are your parents? What kind of parents do you have? Why would they give you up? You know, these kind of questions come up with the, the foster child or the adopted child. Why did my mom or dad give me up? Why aren't they here? And I think people wonder that question, where is God? Why would I need to believe in God if he abandoned me? You know, so there's these preconceived notions that we want to try to help steer people back to. Those aren't bad questions to ask. It's just, are we seeking the answers for them? You know, are we, are we actually interested in the answers? I think that's why I like your question that you pose here for us. Um, if someone says in a skeptical way, why do people feel the need to believe in a God? Then already tells me that their approach is that they don't want to. If, if yeah. it's that kind, of, that kind of attitude, possibly. Yeah, I can see that come out for sure. And the, the, I think the key thought in that question is the need. Because it's, it's not, for most people, it's not just this fleeting feeling or emotion that, that dictates to them that there's some God out there, or some higher being. It's an inner need that needs to be met. And the Bible actually makes a case for where that came from. And it kind of gets to this idea of how we see that need being met across all sorts of different religions. You know, you and I, Neil, have both studied uh, world religions. We teach it in different ways in our work. And so we've seen how each culture or religion tries to answer what that inner need is according to what they call God. And there's some parallels across all of them that they're trying to meet certain needs, but take us into the Bible for a moment and show us what is, what case does Christianity make for us or the Bible about how it meets that need that people have. I'll try to start with the word religion. It's a super good kind of question that you're asking me to follow up with. I, I really think if you look at some of the main religions of the world, I'll use uh, Muslim you know, started by Joseph Smith around 500 AD, 500 years after the birth of Christ. You see him really organize that religion, in my opinion, as a need for what he was going through in his life at that point in time, and ultimately a, a misunderstanding of what the Bible says. And so I, you know, the first part of trying to understand where all these religions come from, it's in the absence of really truly knowing 
the God of the Bible, Israel's God, and you're coming up with different names for God because a lot of it's their own thoughts and emotions. And I think that the Bible really emphasizes, like, I'm going to go back to that child who wants to know who their parents are. Not only does the Lord send us messages through his word that tells us his name, very specific Old Testament, we see the Lord Jehovah is a very specific name. He wants to know who we are. So you think of it in the sense of the, the runaway child is now being reached out to by by his parent, by the one who created him, versus what you typically see often is the child trying to find the parent. And that, that would fit for both, uh, for any religion, religions and the person who's seeking after God. You, know, you can see it both directions too. And what I really like about your point there is that if you look at every culture and what the Bible says, the way that he's different from all the other religions is that he spans this time frame where he's continually interceding in history to show that he's real and to show that he is there for his people, defending them, doing miraculous things all over the place to prove the fact that he is who he claimed to be and that he would take on our flesh. And that's the biggest difference that I see is that he was willing to take on our flesh for that. So I, I guess I'd like to hear how you would respond to that. Why, how does the Bible help us understand the, the need and the answer for that need? Yeah, I like your answer to where you bring in the aspects of every religion has different ways of trying to answer that question and meet that need, but it's kind of counterfeit when compared to what the God of the Bible offers us. Uh, one passage that comes to mind for me from a you know doctrinal standpoint is Romans 8, the whole, the whole opening section there, but like verse 3 in particular. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's the great struggle that we all have. That's why we have that need. That's why we feel that pressing desire to believe in a God is because we know whether we have the word of the law memorized, we know the law in our hearts and we know what it says about our lives. And we know that something's missing. And all those other religions trying to answer that question of what God is and who he's done and, and what that means for our lives, they fall short because they work through the flesh. But God changed, the God of the Bible changed things up by sending his own son Christ in our place, which is unique to Christianity too. So we see that uniqueness of the God of the Bible and how he meets that need. Like you said, you know, we see other indications of religions trying to do that because they're trying to find an answer, but it's usually according to what they want. Like you said, with Islam that met the needs of Muhammad when he started up that religion at the time. Um, and, but, but the God of the Bible is not just relegated to one culture or one time or one nation or one set of people, but it's, he's eternal and he touches all people through his word in the very same way, no matter who we are, he meets that need because it's different than all the other religions of the world. And so and then, when you're, when you're just to, just to, the, to summarize, when you're trying to answer this question, you almost have to come at it from a world perspective and a Christian perspective. The world perspective recognizes we feel a need there, but it fills that need in with all sorts of other things, whether they call it religion or not, whether they call it God or not. The Christian perspective sees that same need, but fills it in in a way that only the God of the Bible can and has done. 
Yeah, I like that because ultimately you said Romans 8, you know, as far as the, the Bible answering that need that's out there. And again, when we talk about comparative world religions, I really like Romans 5, verse 8, that talks about God demonstrating his own love to us that while Christ was still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that idea of our, it's showing that why do we need, you mentioned the fact that we're sinners, he's going to demonstrate to us what he's willing to do for that need. And that's what I don't, that's, that's like you said, the counterfeit that you see in other religions is that you don't see the other gods of this world, the so-called gods of this world, fulfilling that need for the sinner to be declared not guilty, even though the sinner by definition is guilty. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably the best way to answer that question. And as we were saying here is why do people feel the need to believe in God? Because we all know that we're not perfect because we all know that we're not holy because we all know that we're sinners. And so our biggest need is our soul problem, our, our filthy soul. Yeah. Well, this is the double-edged sword question, part of the question, I think, what we're talking about right now, because this is such a common feeling across all people because God designed us that way to seek him. Acts 17, Paul points out, you know, that they might grope for him and find him. He's not far from each one of us, that he wants us to seek the Lord. But because it's so common, people also kind of dumb all religion down into the same pot and say, well, you know can't you see this group has this idea about God and this group has this idea about God and this group has this idea. I mean, who's to say who's right. And, and at the end of the day, it becomes so confusing that most people give up on the process entirely and think, well, maybe there isn't a need to believe in God. Maybe that's just something I've been raised with. But what we're highlighting here in this first point is the great difference between the Christian response to that and the worldly response or the, the other religion response. So moving forward here with our next thought, as we look at the continue to look at the need for God to believe in God, just ask you real real, real simply, Neil, what does belief in God offer a person? What value does it have? How would you respond to somebody who has that question today? Hope. If I don't have hope in a life after death, then my hope is temporary versus eternal. And so it's a hope that is, confident in a future that excites me because it's a future that God has promised. And he's very specific about what those promises look like a life that isn't full of sadness or sorrow or death anymore. So it's, it's an eternal hope versus a temporary hope. And it's a confidence in that hope that only one can assure through the promises that I believe that he always keeps for us. So the one word answer would be hope for me. Love the answer. Excellent answer. Here's what I'm going to follow up with for you. Is that typically the answer you're going to hear in the world? Well, let me ask you the same question. You give me the answer you think the world gives then. <laughs> what does belief in God offer a person in life? See, I, I love your answer, it, but I can tell this is somebody coming from a biblical perspective. This is somebody who's been trained and knows the truth. It's clearly not the answer that most people are going to give in the world. And that's where we see, again, the stark difference between the hope that God offers us in the Bible through Christ and the hope that is often peddled in terms of religion out in the world. But, but that's such a key thought is I think you go out and ask on the street, you ask, you know, 10 people that question. I think seven people would probably answer that religion does something based on what you can contribute to it. 
it has, you know, not about grace, not about what you, what you gave with the justification of Christ and the hope of eternal life. And that's, that's the battlefield that we recognize with this question. It does, it is a big, it does make a big difference in a person's life based on what, how they would answer that question and the, the hope that it would offer. And that's why it's valuable for us to talk about this and work through this and see what God gives us through the scriptures to offer us that hope that you give. But the, the, the reason I bring it up, I love your answer, but I also recognize that's probably not what the majority of the world, that's not how they would answer that question so today. What do, you, what do you think most people would say? Like what, a one or what, two word What answer. does belief in God offer a person like if you in had, life? Yeah. I mean, picture you and me, let's go down into Seattle and uh, ask people that question. How, we should have done that when I was out there with you. That would have been actually really cool. <laughs> I don't know if that's most of the world, though, either. But yeah, that well, is right, one but, segment. So there in the Seattle area, what do you think if you and I had gone, when I, last time I was out there, what do you think uh, people would have said if we would have asked them that very question, you know, in a couple words? I think that the common, the most common answer that I receive from that type of question or that I hear is that religion offers you this inner peace about yourself, sort of this mental therapy, if you will. Um, nothing objective, nothing historical, nothing true, nothing verified, nothing fulfilled, but just a, a better sense of who you are as a person and really a way to utilize that to help other people. Is Agree with me or not, I could hear people saying in my own mind or have heard people say, well, I believe in God, almost like it's a ticket, like, like, and I know you could, you could really stray into Christianity really easily with this, but this idea that, yeah, I, don't, I believe that there is a God and that's, that's good enough. Good enough for what? So if there's a heaven, I'm going to get to go because I believe there is a God. And that's why track me on this and tell me if I'm wrong. If you go back to the idea of the uh, adoptive child, that one looking for the parents, you know you have a dad or a mom, but you just don't know who their name is. What good does that do you? So just by someone saying, well, you know, I believe in God is like, uh, it's, it's that alone that's going to get them into heaven if there's a heaven. I think that's a scary thing because ultimately you don't actually know who God is or what he's really promised. Yeah, I think the common answer is sort of that fairy tale belief about God that God's just an idea that's meant to make me a more moral person. Nothing real, nothing true. He didn't do anything for me that I can go back to. And it's, and it's sad because you point out with that illustration of the adoptive child, exactly what good does it do a person to know that they have a parent if they don't know anything about that parent, if that parent's not in their life, if, it's, if they haven't done anything for that child. Uh, we know, it's very clear, we, we, we need to know who our family is if possible. And we need to have that relationship in some way, or it makes life more difficult in, in several ways. So a good parallel there to our spiritual heavenly father, that he wants us to know who he is and what he's done for us, not just to know some vague thing about him. And, and I think that really does fill in the need because when we get to what God has done and who he is, we get to the gospel. We get to that objective truth that God laid down his own life for us and took it back again on, 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 through his resurrection so that we would have life through his name. The Bible makes the case very clearly that is not a fairy tale. 
that is not a mythical thought or story just to be passed down from generation to generation, but that was God entering time and space to do something ob- objective and historical that we would have hope. And that's, that makes a huge difference. That makes all the difference. Last question here, as we continue to, to look at why the need for people to believe in God, I'm going to ask you this, Neil, what case does the Bible make that we should believe in God? So when it comes to the should aspect of it, that this is something that either God requires of us or that it's good for our life, what kind of case does the Bible make that we should believe? What's, what's the rationale according to scripture? Well, I'm going to go with my favorite law gospel passage. I know we've used it before in different podcasts, but I think it is the one that I usually come back to. The case, and we all know what wages are, and you already know what verse I'm going to just by saying that that word. We know that we, every day we earn things in our life. We earn respect. We earn, we, you and me talking like this, we, we earn our growth in friendship because we're spending time discussing things that matter to our hearts. So we're so used to earning everything. And we know the Bible teaches us because we mentioned earlier that we're sinners and that we're not perfect and we're not holy. And if there's a righteous, perfect God, what do we need to do to get in his good standing? If he's our, if he's our father, uh, we got to earn his love back. And how are we going to do that? We know we've been disobedient. So how are we going to get back into that good grace? Well, Romans 6.23 says quite clearly, the wages, what we earn because of our sin is clearly death. The word death means separation. We know what separation feels like from loved ones when they die. But ultimately, the wages of our unrighteousness, our sin, is separation from God, eternal death. And then that verse goes on with the beautiful gospel. But, however, the gift of God, the free, a gift is not something you can earn. If I gave you a gift for Christmas and I said, that's 100 bucks now, Mark and just destroy that gift or uh so the the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our savior so for me answering that question is the bible makes the case our state with god is that we do not deserve his grace our state our relationship with god is that we need to be reconciled we are at war with him romans uh romans the early part of romans talks about that that we're at war with enmity with god and so that the Bible makes that case that we need to have reconciliation. And it can only come through Jesus Christ to bring us peace. And we just celebrate Christmas not too long ago. Christ is our Prince of Peace. He's the one who brought it and gifted it by taking on our flesh, like you mentioned before. So for me, I, although I took a little bit of time to explain that verse, that's the answer to me. That's the case the Bible makes. We, it really goes full circle to what your first question was. I think it's such a great question. Here's our need for God we are not going to be able to make it without him. We can't, we can't cross that bridge to eternity without Jesus. And the Bible makes that extremely clear. We are in need of a cure. Christ is that cure for our soul. I thought of another similar passage to what you referenced there from Romans as well. Romans 3, 23, 24, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that it is in Christ Jesus. The world has a way of complicating this. You know, oh, there's so many different religions. Who's to say who's right? Who's to know which, which God is correct? Maybe, maybe belief in God is just something that developed culturally over time. The world complicates it. It blows that fog in there and, and distorts everything. The Bible clears that away. Incredibly simple. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
but are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the should. That is the need. The need met. God is telling us there how the need that we long for is met. How when we seek him, what we're looking for, that's what we want to find. And so, like you said, so often when we hear the word should or need, we think first, what do I need to do? What is it that I should be doing? The Bible is unique. Jesus is unique. The God of the God of Christianity is unique in the sense that when he says should, he's pointing at what he's done for you. That's the that's the motivation. That's the impetus to believe. And that makes, like we've said the whole podcast, that makes the world of difference when it comes to answering this question from a Christian perspective versus a worldly perspective. Excellent thoughts here, but let's let's as we wrap up our podcast here, I want to ask you, Neil, based on what we talked about here, what are for the for our listeners, what are your three takeaways? Now, again, if you don't have three, that's okay. But what I are do. what I are do. your main takeaways for our listeners here based on what we talked about when it comes to answering why do people feel the need to believe in God? I will try to keep this brief. The first thing I put down here is that all religions try to answer the need. The, what is the need to believe in God? Religion itself, we didn't define that earlier, but religion is a systematic series of beliefs that an individual has. Everyone has beliefs in someone. So everyone, everyone has beliefs. So everyone is religious, even they say they're not, because everyone believes something. If, even if they believe nothing, that's a belief. And so all religions try to answer the question of what do we need in this life or why would God be that need? My second point would be all fall short of, of the perfect perfection that the righteous God demands. And so we're all sinners. And so we all need a savior. And the Bible makes that clear that savior is Christ. You just pointed out so well that he is unique. And the last thing ultimately is finding the origins of Christ, our savior, and the fact that he's the son of God and where the God comes from, from the Bible. Ultimately, I think every reference we use, I kind of find this humorous, Mark, all came from Romans. We mentioned Romans 3.23. We mentioned Romans 5. We mentioned Romans 6. We Romans mentioned Romans 8. So ultimately, what we see in Romans is that justification of our sin in Christ. So that would be my, my third takeaway is that, hey, we should read Romans again because there's so much in there about the doctrine of what Christ has done for us freely instead of us trying to earn it ourselves. How about you? Uh, I can't disagree with that. I, I love your points there. Um, all religions point to this. This is not something unique for Christians to believe or to feel the need to believe. And we, we know where the, the void exists. It's because of our sin. It's our shortcoming. And we know how that's met. It's through the justification through Christ. And, and I think I agree. It's interesting that everything we took is from Romans. And I think that's because that's one of the books of the Bible that seeks to lay this out as clearly as possible and, and make that very clear in the Christian's life. And it's a very valuable resource in that regard. So just to go back to how we kind of began, listeners, let's recognize we are children of God. We are children of our Heavenly Father. The Bible tells us how he has adopted us into his family through the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have an inheritance in heaven. What a blessing. But even more than that, for our question for today, God tells us about himself. God introduces him to us as, as our heavenly father. Uh, God takes care of the defining force and telling us in great detail everything he's done for us, that we may know him. 
and have a more meaningful and fulfilling relationship with him by faith. And this is what our question is about today. Those needs are met by Christ and God defines that for us and explains that for us in his word. So always return to that. Always use that. Neil, it's been a pleasure to take part one of this series with you. For our listeners, we hope that it was a blessing for you as well and that you continue to listen to our Burden and Blessing podcast and uh, like and subscribe if you haven't already and please share it with others. This again is part one of our skeptic series and we'll be continuing this series as we move forward. I'd like to mention for like 10 seconds here, uh, Pastor Mayhew and myself are working on a Psalms series too. So if you've been listening in, check that out as well. We do Psalm devotions. We're trying to do it all chronological. It'll take a long time. So tune into that too, if you'd like. Yeah, we're, we're trying to, to get out a lot of content, different varieties of content as well. So keep up with it and, and listen as you're able. And again, please share with others. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.